Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Yay. Yay, God, and yay, you, and glad we're all still here, uh, at least some of us, uh, at least partly here. <laughs> hey, uh, people are still coming in, and one of the other reasons our church seems to exist is to scoot over some. And so if you, if you can make room for people who are still standing and maybe looking for seats, that would be great. It's great to be with uh, all of you today, especially great to be with all of our students. Once again, yay, Disciple Now weekend. Hope it's been good for, for you guys. And um, I, I, on another time, I'd like to tell you, my wife Allison and I were home group leaders uh, at the third ever Disciple Now held back in 1895, and uh, somewhere around there uh, in uh, Ruskin Heights Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, and God used that uh, magnificently that weekend in our life as leaders. In fact, I'm here today doing this. You, you can draw a pretty direct line from that weekend for me to where I'm standing today, and so praying for all you guys. Also pray that you can stay awake through this boring sermon after a long weekend. And uh, thanks, uh, church, for uh, all of your uh, helping Disciple Now weekend happen. It's, it's a great, great time uh, for, for us. And as uh, Pastor Chad Crouch has already said, welcome to the 31st anniversary, uh, 31st birthday of Dogwood Church. We were... Um, uh, Well, I want to talk to you about the power in which this church was birthed. And as you're doing that, I want you to grab some notes. Uh, Under the chair at the left end of each row, there's a basket, offering basket. Uh, Don't pass the basket, but grab the note sheets. And uh, out of that, take one. Everybody's going to need a set of notes. Pass those down. Pass those down. And uh, there you go. And while you're doing that, let me me express this to you. Uh, We were birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this church was, uh, has grown over the years and has served, we have grown and served over these years by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are here today as evidence uh, to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of Christ in this world. And we will continue to serve uh, by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the core values of uh, Dogwood Church is Spirit-Filled Living. You can find that in our documents. You can find that on our website. And uh, here's what we mean by that. Take a look at the screen. Uh, We believe that a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, yielding to the filling, control, direction, and empowering of God the Holy Spirit is essential and the intended norm for every follower of Jesus, and this certainly comes true uh, when uh, this certainly is true when it comes to you and I being effective witnesses for and to the saving power of Jesus Christ in the lives of other people. Now, we're not only celebrating Disciple Now weekend; we're not only celebrating the thirty-first birthday of our church, but we are in the seventh and final session of our series. Uh, that we've been calling uh, every believer a witness. Every believer 
a witness. And uh, we've done a lot of how-tos for you, a lot of information on what to say and how to say it and how to overcome our fears and how to overcome our apathy and how to overcome our ignorance. Uh, But today I want to talk about where the power comes from and how you, students especially you, all of us have lived long, we should have known this a long time ago, but you have the greatest potential for good in this world, in this room. And so everybody else gets to listen in today, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Uh, Other than learning my need for Jesus and, and coming to faith and saving faith in him as my Savior and Lord, the most important biblical truth I've ever, that anyone ever told me, was told to me in June of 1972 in Dallas, Texas at an event called Explo 72. And there in Wilshire Baptist Church over in North Dallas with about 400 college students, a young student, campus minister from the University of Kansas got up and he told us what I'm about to tell you. And it is how to find God's power, not only for right to live for him, but to be used magnificently for him. Uh, we're calling it how to appropriate uh, divine power uh, in witnessing, but this applies to walking with him. There's never a day that my feet hit the floor that I don't re, that I don't re-up on the commitment and, and make a, uh, an expression of faith and dependence on God the Holy Spirit like I'm about to teach you to do. I, I wouldn't dare go into a single day without doing what I'm about to teach you to do. And I've not done it since 1972. This has been my, my habit. And usually through the day, I reaffirm this faith step. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I had the words to tell you how important this is. Uh, but I don't, so I'm going to depend on God the Holy Spirit to, to do this for you. Read our key verse for us. It's in your notes on the screen there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You follow along. I'll read it out loud. This is God's word. But you will, these are Jesus, the words of Jesus. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now take a look at the left sidebar on page two of your notes. Witness, here's a quote, witness is a noun. Witness is a noun. You are a witness. For good or bad, you are a verbal witness and a visual witness. Witness. So look at me. You are a verbal witness. We've been talking about how to be a verbal witness for Christ. Uh, This quote is right. You are also a visual witness. We're to be audio-visual Christians. We're to be audio-visual followers of Jesus. And so uh, write this down in your notes. The power of the Holy Spirit results in a life that is a witness. A life that is a that is a witness. And, and our life becomes a witness for the Lord Jesus by its quality. Uh, by its uh, quality. You become a magnet. You become a, uh, you, uh, your life can become so attractive that people are attracted to want to know why. It also, you become a showcase for the grace and the mercy of God practically in the life of a human being uh, in this in this world. Now, the Bible describes this quality of life very clearly in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. 
Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it's called the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit on a, we have, you know, right out back here, we have a beautiful fruit orchard for our uh, real life ministry to the to the to our church family and to the community and during growing season we got a lot of we got a lot of peach trees out there we got apple trees we got all kinds of trees those peach we know there were peach trees but they give evidence that they are peach trees in the growing season we have these magnificent beautiful softball size uh, peaches that God has created uh, out here and uh, that that's the the fruit that's the outward evidence that this tree is a peach tree. Uh, these characteristics are the outward evidence, the outward, um, uh, the overflow of the reality of the life of, of the Holy Spirit of Christ in our lives. And here's how it describes it. Take a look on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, let me define these very, very quickly. You don't want to have time to write these down, but what does he mean by love here? Love means that we begin to manifest the God-like ability to do loving things to all people, all kinds of people, people we like, people we don't like, people who like us, people who don't like us, nice people, not nice people. Uh, uh, the God-like ability to do good, loving things to all people. Uh, peace means uh, the characteristic of having uh, peace of mind and heart, the ability to show peace of mind and heart even when it makes no sense. Patience is here means the ability to bear with other people and with life circumstances with confidence in God. At peace, no matter what's happening on the outside. Um, I, I mean, uh, patience. Kindness is the ability to live out the, the golden rule. To actually do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, th- that's the way we live. Kindness. Goodness. Now, when we say goodness, what do you think that means? Here it means moral goodness. It means moral and ethical goodness. Um, this, is, this means our lifestyle and our character begins more and more to conform to the ethical and moral expectations of, of uh, Christ as revealed in the Scriptures. You begin to take on the characteristics of the person that is described in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and, and 7. Uh, he begins to produce this in us. Faithfulness means the ability to stick with Christ and with others. Uh, self-control means that all of your physical appetite and all of your emotional desires are under control. They're the, the, the power to control them rather than them control you. Now, now uh, let me start. High school uh, students whose hormones are raising, uh, raise, uh, raging, uh, this means that he gives you the power um, to be guided by him rather than thinking with your glands. And so... You probably needed to hear that too. And so, uh, uh, yeah, but, phys- but self-control, under, under control. Gentleness means, um, uh, gentleness means that you have strength under control. It, it is, uh, otherwise, uh, places it's called meekness. It does not mean weakness. It means strength under control that has no need to defend itself 
or prove oneself to others other than God. Um, and so uh, these are the character. These become more and more evident in your life. You become a very attractive person. It's an attractive life. You become a. You have a life that is a witness to the power of the gospel. Uh, look at the left sidebar there. Second uh, Corinthians six three says this: We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Listen, we, you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ to control us so that we don't live, we live the way described in this passage rather than in sinful or hypocritical ways that cause obstacles to people coming to faith. Uh, attractive lives that attract people to Christ rather than sinful or hypocritical lives that push people away from Christ. And so... Uh, Oswald Chambers, the great writer, said this. Take a look at it. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes real in you what Christ has done for you. He makes real in you what Christ has done for you. I mean, now notice again Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, in your notes or in your Bible, circle that word upon. Circle that word upon. Now, it's important for you to understand that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples at this point, that they had the Holy Spirit in them already. In fact, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, you have not yet become a Christian according to the Scriptures. Uh, Take a look at this. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus previously had already said to his disciples, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, But they needed an empowering by the Holy Spirit, and they received it on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 41, here's what we find. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, circle that word, filled. Now, that word, in our Western culture, the word filled there, we feel like we're filling up a tank, you know, but that's not really... Clear. That's not what that means. It really means more directly to be controlled by. They were controlled by. They were empowered by. They were in the grip of God the Holy Spirit. Controlled by, guided by, empowered by, directed by God the the Holy Spirit. Now, notice in this verse how being filled with or empowered by, in the grip of, being submitted to the Holy Spirit of Christ. Notice how that's linked to evangelism, to the leading of men and women and boys and girls to personal faith in Christ. Uh, It was linked there. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then, as a result, 3,000 people came to faith in Christ in one day. In one day, they were saved, they were converted, they were redeemed redeemed that day. Look at this next verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, 
The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all, here's that word, filled. That means empowered by, submitted to, directed by, uh, in the grip of the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now notice how this being empowered by God the Holy Spirit is related to evangelism. They were in the grip of God the Holy Spirit, therefore they proclaimed the message of God, the word of God, with boldness. Again, uh, think back to the week in our series where we talked about how to overcome your fear in witnessing. And uh, we taught how our fears can hinder us being obedient and effective to Christ in uh, witnessing for Jesus and helping people come uh, to faith. Well, being filled with, being empowered by, being directed by, being submitted to God the Holy Spirit is essential to having the boldness or the courage to overcome our fear and share the gospel. It's essential. It's essential. You don't have to rely on your own power. Rely on, on uh, His. Now, turn to page 4 in your notes. Turn to page 4 in your notes. So how does the Holy Spirit come on you? Or how are you filled with or empowered by God, uh, the Holy Spirit? That's the good question to ask. Now, the big, the big view answer to that is by faith. Uh, we live by faith. By faith, you are empowered by, you are filled with, uh, directed by, guided by God, the Holy Spirit, by faith, an act of faith. And I'm going to describe that to you here. Now, um, just like most of you here are Christians, most of you here are followers of Jesus, most of you here have been redeemed. Uh, Not all of you, some of you are seekers and you're checking things out, good. Keep coming, we'll do our best to keep explaining uh, the gospel. But let me speak to those of you here who are already followers uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Just like the early disciples, if you are truly a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and he, He took up residence in you when you were saved when you were redeemed, when you were born again, however you describe the commitment of receiving Jesus and becoming uh, a Christian. The Bible says when that happened, uh, the Spirit of God immersed you or baptized you into the body of Christ. Uh, The Bible says um, uh, everyone who is a follower of Jesus has The Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Spirit of God, you're not a part of the family of God. He is in you already. I mean, listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how it it works. Now, also, like the very first disciples... You and I need to be empowered. We need to be filled with. We need to be directed by God, the Holy Spirit. In fact, write this down in your notes. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Write that down in your notes. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, here's what the Bible says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. There are two ways to look at this, and both of them are true. 
If you want to understand the will of God, you must be filled with or controlled by or directed by the Spirit. Now, if you want to know what God's will for you is, part of it is be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. Uh, It is an imperative. So, Pastor, how do I go about that? Okay, students, I said all that to, to tell you, describe to you, this is my practice every morning when the alarm clock goes off and um and and i want to encourage you, you to make it uh, the same jot this down in your notes if something is to be filled with a substance it must first be emptied of anything that is already in it got that jot that down write the word emptied and so the first step to being filled with the holy spirit is this. I think this is in your notes. I'm not sure, but here it is. Empty yourself of anything and everything that does not please God. Empty yourself of anything and everything that does not please God. Uh, That's what we call sins. Sin. What's, what's What's in your life that does not please God? You already know it, but you've not been dealing with it. Now, Take a look at this verse. This is God's spiritual bar of soap for the Christian. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, circle that word confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now again, in that little letter to first of uh, first John, John the Apostle is writing to people who are already Christians, and here he 's describing what do we we know we 're not already perfect from time to time we intentionally sin we 're still in process. Well, what does that do? Do we lose our salvation when we disobey God after we 've been saved? do we do we do we no 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 uh, 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 you know, I think my two daughters who were almost perfect, but once or twice they disobeyed me. Maybe once or twice. And did, they, did I disown them then? Did I kick them out of the family then? No. What did it do? But it did hinder our, the joy of our relationship for a moment. Particularly for them. <laughs> and the same thing true with, with, with my father. When I disobeyed him, I didn't cease to become his son. I'd been born into his family. Well, when you commit your life to Christ, you're born into the family of God. You're his child. You're forgiven. You're in the family. But when we, when we sin as Christians, and, and, and not mistake. Remember, we are some um, mistakes are one thing, sins are another thing. Don't confuse the two, right? Right. Right. Just help me here, whether you believe it or not. Uh, it's true. They're two different things. Mistakes are honest mistakes. Sins are willful choosing to disobey God. There's a difference. There's a difference. When we willfully choose to disobey our Lord, it hinders our relationship. It cuts off, short circuits His power working through us. We lose some of the benefit and the blessing and the joy of walking with Christ, and it hinders our witness in the world. I mean, there's there's some things that can happen when we disobey Jesus as Christians, and every one of them are bad. They're all bad. Well, what do we do when we do that? We can... He, he's given us the way back. It's just like you maintain good relationships with your friends. When one of you harms the other in your friendship, do you just ignore it? And can that friendship go on? No, no, no. You've got to talk about it, right? Especially you eighth grade girls. Where are y'all? 
Yeah, yes. Yeah, see, they're happy about it. See, they y'all got all confessed up this week, didn't you? And you're all good with each. Other. Yeah, great, good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We need to take lessons from them. But um, but see, you you these girls know you you might get out of sorts with each other. One hurts the other intentionally sometime. But they know we can't move on until we acknowledge it and uh, and deal with it. Well, the, we have a relationship with Jesus. It's the same way. To stay in close fellowship, we confess our sins. But when we now that word confess, it, it's not like um, it's not just admitting your sin to God. It's not just saying I have sinned. It's kind of like um, I'm, I'm enjoying this all over again with grandchildren, watching them learn what the word sorry means. Ooh, yeah, you know. Uh, when I, was, when, when I was little, my mom described to me when uh, they tried to communicate to me about saying I'm sorry, I thought it was a magic word. You know, anytime I'd messed up and my parents were displeased with me or I, I, I uh, messed with my little sisters a little bit and they said, no, that's not, sorry. I said, sorry. I said, didn't that, didn't that take care? Sorry. You know, no sense of remorse. You know, sense of just, so oh boy, a magic word. <laughs> Sorry. No, to confess is a, this is a Greek word that means to say, literally translated to say the same thing. Let me see your eyeball, students. Look at me. To say the, it means to say the same thing about our sin that God says about it. It means to feel about it like God feels about it as much as we can, which means, oh no, this is not good. Not only are we legitimately sorrowful, but we do give deeds that give evidence of repentance in that we, we come to him and say, I agree with you. This was not good. This was, sin. this was no less than sin. And when we do, he is faithful and just, boom, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a great, great um, promise. And so this is our first step to being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me talk to the rest of you. I doubt that many of these students are in here, but many of, you know, I, many of us in our church family are in recovery. Many of you are in the program. Uh, you know, I, our, our church is full of dr- uh, alcoholics and drug addicts, and most of you are in recovery, and you're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and most of you have been in recovery for many, many years. and So... I don't know. God just made our church family. If you're, if you're struggling with addiction, we're one of the churches for you. Come. Help find freedom in Christ. But let me just say to those uh, of you brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the program, uh, what we're describing here is the biblical basis for step four and five. Steps four and five. Step four in AA says, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step Five is admitted, I have admitted to God and to ourselves and to other human beings the exact nature of our wrongs. Where'd that come from? First John 1, 9. Comes right there. That's, that's Sam Shoemaker who authored, who was the theologian behind Alcoholics Anonymous. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew how God works. And so, but you know, we might not all be um, in recovery from drugs or alcohol, but we're all in recovery from sin. And so, you know, I like to say our church is not necessarily Alcoholics Anonymous, but we are sinners unanimous. <laughs> and so, and we, we come here and we admit 
that we are saints who still sometimes sin and we are in recovery and it's called sanctification. He's transforming us and he's set us free and it's wonderful. And part of the process is we continue to take this radical moral inventory before God and then we admit to God and other human beings the nature of our sins and we repent and find freedom and forgiveness to live with great joy because of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let me just... Take a breath. Let's move into a time of confession from your heart. You can call this prayer if you want to. You can look at me if you want to. You can bow your head and pray if you want to. But let me just walk you through just a second. First time I did this, on that Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning in Dallas, Texas in 1972, they gave us a legal pad and a pen and across the top of the legal pad, it had written 1 John 1, 9. And they said, we're going to give you the rest of the morning to spread out all over this church campus. And you get along with God and you take care of all this business. And it took the whole morning for me, writing it out as he, as he brought to mind. You see, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of our sin. You don't have to make it up. Don't be, those of you who are already grossly introspective, be careful here. You know, you don't have to make stuff up. God, the, God's Spirit will bring things to mind that have been displeasing to Him. Uh, he even, that is even a relief. And as He does, confess, yes, Lord, I agree with you. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. So you take this time. Think through every deed or action. Stealing, immorality, pornography, lying. Envy, dishonoring your parents, not loving your spouse, not obeying your parents, not praying, not witnessing. Of every word, disrespect to others profanity, dirty jokes, just crass, unhelpful speech, slander, gossip, disrupting the unity of the church, anger, rage, malice, And just say, Lord, if there's anything else that I'm missing. As the psalmist prayed in Psalm 19, Lord, also cleanse me from hidden sins. And that word means sins that I've even hidden from myself. We have that capacity to suppress the truth to ourselves. Now in faith, say. Now, Lord, I have confessed my sins to you. And by faith, I thank you for forgiving me and for cleansing me.
So now I'm going to live as if this is actually true. Now, while you're praying, the next step then is to submit your will and yourself to Him, to the guidance, to the direction, to the authority, to the rule of the Holy Spirit of Christ in your life. Say, Lord, I am asking you now to take control of me by your Holy Spirit, by faith. He commanded you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know it's His will. So if you ask Him to, don't you think He'll answer that prayer? Yes, He will. So ask Him, take me all that I am and have. I submit myself to you for your control and empower. Guide me, empower me, and direct me. And now by faith, thank Him that He has done so. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these prayers. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Now look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Now, in your notes there, um, if you say, I did it. I just did this. You say, well, Pastor, I don't feel any different. Look at me. I don't care. Who cares how you feel? Y'all been up all weekend. It's wonder you can even have any feelings. It, remember, we live by faith, not by feelings. Our feelings come as a result of our faith in the facts, the promises of God. He made us emotional beings, but they don't rule us. They don't rule us. You live by faith, not by feeling. And so uh, living by faith means actually living as if the Bible were really true. And so did he say, if you repented of your sins, did he say, if you confess your sins, I'll forgive you and cleanse you? Did he say that? Did he say that? Yeah, he said that. And so did you ask him to do that? Yes. yes. Well, then what did he do? He did it. No matter how you feel. Right? Right? Yeah, no matter how you feel. And so you assume now that he has... Feel, and then did he command you to be empowered by his Holy Spirit under his control? Yes. Did you submit yourself to him? Well, then did it is. Did he take control? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did it for you too. He did it for you too. Now, uh, so well, now what do I do? You live in this continuous way. Uh, you see, because the, the, the time will come when you will intentionally disobey him again. Well, what do you do? When we sin as believers, the Holy Spirit acts like a referee in a basketball game. When we, he step out, you step out of bounds, he blows the whistle. And he, he, he nudges you in your soul. Even those of you who have been hard-hearted for a long time, as you've torn, torn down these walls, then, then you become more sensitive to the leadership and prompting of God the Holy Spirit. And he, he nudges you to go, oh, yep. You confess your sins immediately. So what if I'm in class? Well, just act like you're paying attention, but go ahead and pray. I mean, I've been in big crowds of people, and I'll say, oh, yes, Lord, that was true. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have done that. You are absolutely 
right. I, I agree with you. I confess it to you as sin. Thank, I thank you and acknowledge for your, by faith your cleansing and forgiveness. Now, would you take control of me one more time? Would you empower me by your Holy Spirit that I may walk in obedience to you? And that way, instead of you, look at me, students, instead of the, your life, you know, get way up here. Now, next week, you start messing up and you got to go a whole nother year till D now. Good grief. No, 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 no. Rather than this up and down and up and down and up and down, your walk with Jesus is more on a plane, a consistent plane, and he keeps drawing you to himself, and he even uses your sins as a part of his sanctification and growing process. What a God. What a God. You confess it immediately. Don't let this stuff build up all over again. When my uh, sophomore year in college, I moved in with a high school buddy at the university. We got an apartment the first morning. Uh, we got up and uh, f- fixed something for breakfast and went to, uh, we, there was no such thing as computers then. You had to actually show up and register. So we went to, registered for classes, um, came home and, you know, classes were not going to start uh, till the next day and we uh, fixed something for lunch and had a flag football game, intramural football game that afternoon. Came in that night, got something to eat and We'd all gone to the bookstore and got our books and everything. Um, next morning, class started. Breakfast, off to class, activities, in late, you know, that kind of thing. Finally, sat- the first Saturday morning came, and we slept in, woke up about lunchtime, and walked into the kitchen uh, to uh, fix something for breakfast, open the cabinets. There's no pots and pans in the cabinets. What? We, we open the drawer. There's no flatware. There's no, no forks and spoons. What? We, no plates. We open the refrigerator. There's no food. And then we turned around and looked at the sink in the counter. And there was this mountain of a week's worth of two college guys it it was stuff was living in there it looked like it seemed like a science experiment over there it was it was terrible it was terrible he went ugh. and so we started and we did that massive 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 washing everything cleaning everything up getting things in order and uh, before i knew it he'd begun to take on the uh, characteristics of my dad, and he stuck this big poster on the refrigerator door that said, when you mess it up, yeah, yeah, that's good advice. So now, when you mess up, clean it up. Right then, right then, be filled with the Spirit. And there's a lot of more stuff in your notes there, but let me just say this. Church, If we're going to be all God wants us to be in the future for his glory and the good of mankind, we've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to live under the control of God the Holy Spirit. This is not an option for Christians. This is essential, the Bible teaches, and God's expected norm for every follower of Jesus. And if we're going to be effective in witnessing to and for the saving power of Jesus Christ for all human beings, we've got to do this. And so I want to pray for you now. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for uh, this church and the people in this room. And I pray now that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit 
to teach us this lesson and work it into our minds and our hearts and our souls that we may take on this lifestyle for the rest of our lives. I want to pray especially for these students, these uh, young men and young women in middle and high school and these young adults who are home from college helping in seminary and grad school helping lead our our ministry this week. I pray that they would live this way for the rest of their lives and become showcases for the power of the gospel uh, in the heroic times of life and in the tragic times of life, but in that great vast majority of the just the mundane of living life. Use them magnificently for your gospel. And I pray for those here in our room who may have never come to faith in Christ, that they would see their need for you, repent of their sin, place their faith in you as Lord and Savior, and surrender to you as the God of their lives. Help them to do that right now. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.